What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a lot going on this episode. So we start off with the TBS Pro Qualifier Recap. It was a fantastic meet, an amazing meet. You had breakout performances with Bam Bam Dudley. Um, you had Mesa Gill winning her pro card on the female side. And also, the, probably the biggest breakout performer of the meet in general is in the regular session during Southern Regionals with Crane and Walford. It was an amazing day of lifting. Steve and I had an awesome time commentating it. Mark absolutely knocked it out of the park. The meet, and we talk about the meet just in general, how amazing it was and how well organized and how great it looked. It was it was a national meet. Um, it might have been even better than certain national meets, depending on the year. Uh, the live stream was great from Marshall. Everything was just so, so good. So we talk about that, and a lot to talk about there because it was, like I said, an amazing meet. Uh, from there, Steve brings up an interesting question. If Russ is doing nationals or not and why he believes, I think the percentage he put on it was 97.3, oddly specific, that he is not doing nationals. So he's 97.3% sure he is not doing nationals. And he explains why. So we have a good conversation about that. Then we talk about just the general issue of lifters saying they're going to the IPF in the United States. Um, a, a statement that kind of annoys us just in general, but uh, we get into a further discussion of how short-sighted lifters can possibly be at this current moment. And we read a very interesting uh, email that Gino sent Gaston in relation to a little um, little skirmish that happened between them at Sheffield. So, interesting email. We had that email for a while. We just didn't know if we had permission to read it on air. And, uh, we do. We now have permission to do that. So, uh, yeah, interesting part of the podcast. And Steve shares a, a, a weird story about he got sued by the music industry or something and yeah that ends out the show and uh yeah and that will that's that's the entire episode of two white lights make sure you are subscribing to two white lights on spotify apple Podcasts. leave a five-star rating or both leave a review on apple Podcasts as well make sure you are subscribing to the website twowhitelights.com and go on to shop and get some two white lights merchandise use those promo codes all the athletes that we have we got a lot of promo codes and without further ado here it is, two white lights. Oh, baby, I like it more. promise we are here for another episode of two white lights steve it was nice seeing you in houston it was the wife's gone right now so i mean this might not be a date night but it's like a little afternoon soiree yeah we could get mimosas yeah we could or diet or diet dr pepper i'm I'm not doing my no usual well now now people think i'm an alcoholic since i drank modello on a live stream oh that was one modello the it wasn't, it wasn't we had. the double scotch on the rocks that you were having? That was the Modelo that you had on the live stream? Oh, and the live stream. Yeah. Oh, yeah I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one where I just like had to reach over. Just... 
<laughs> I uh, yeah, because that is a that is a rule in TV. I mean, obviously it's not TV, but that is a rule in TV that you're not allowed to drink on air. Like that is a big big time fine or something from the network. But yeah, I guess I had my uh, Big J journalism hat on that day. But uh, yeah, I mean, you do you do pound double scotches on the rocks while we do a podcast. So Modelo's Modelo's you toning it down. Modelo's just flavored water. Well, you have no idea what's in this. I don't. Exactly. Maybe, I mean, we'll get to it. Maybe maybe you're doing the ten weeks out, have fun type of deal as other eighty two and a half kilo lifters are. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, like, I dial things down, like, two weeks out. So, <laughs> it was usually, yeah, up till, up till two weeks out. That's when, well, that's when I stopped, uh, stopped with alcohol. But, yeah, we saw each other in Houston, and we got to commentate, which was an amazing meet. Uh, Southern Regionals TBS Pro Qualifier was unreal, unbelievable, amazing, super well-organized. Whatever adjective or compliment you want to add to it. You can. I'm sure you guys have been seeing it like a lot from lifters, coaches, people who are involved the entire week uh, after. But we're going to dedicate some more time to talk about how great it was. Um, Mark, Marshall, Megan, everyone combined. That is a dream team of people running a meet. And it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was if, if it said nationals, I I would have not realized oh. it wasn't nationals like anyone who was there. Uh, it was everything you expect from a national meet at a regional level. It was, uh, it, it's early front runner for meet of the year. Uh, so this is the interesting thing, how we designate this. Cause Marshall came up to me. He's like, yeah, I can see this wins local meet of the year. I'm like, eh, this is regionals. It's not local meet. Well, I don't Mark, Mark, at this point, Mark, I don't know. Mark, met, Mark messed up by making this regionals, but we haven't been using, well, we have been, but Virginia pro has continued to win meet of the year. Uh, I, I, think this TBS PQ slash regionals for Southern is probably the front runner right now for me to the year. We've got to see the American pro, how that turns out. Albeit, does untested lifting still exist? I don't know. Does, does it? I know Joe Sullivan and Hussam are trying to make a little squat rivalry um, to make it somewhat like the USAPL and IPF. Uh, I, yeah, I haven't heard a lot from it. I think uh, John, ha- John Hack is going to, uh, strongman. Strongman. Like, I don't know. But he's still he he's doing the American Pro though. I don't think it's okay, permanent. So, I mean, way, as long as you get your big but, heavy hitters there, we've got the American Pro, and then to be determined after that. That's all I'm going to say. I can't say much more about other meets because that's mm-hmm. not really out there. So, but yeah, this has to be front runner for best meet. Not only was the production amazing, the setup amazing, ran flawlessly. Uh, I mean. Uh, I'm speaking for Marshall because when you look at it, it was PSB and PSB and TBS kind of putting it together. But it, it was the main logistics of the meet was Mark. The main the production in the sense of the live stream was coming from Marshall, from my understanding. Obviously, the live stream was great. That went super well. Uh, but the meet was just phenomenal. Like if I if I still lifted, that was the meet I would want to do. That that because I'm not going to nationals. That would have been exactly what I would have hoped from regionals. Uh, and I hope other people do it like this too. I hope this is the standard because I don't know if Mark is going to be doing these anymore. Um, I know I think he's pretty open about that was maybe his last meet for a while. And I hope this sets the standard for other people to host regional meets like this because if they do, regionals is going to be huge because we already know nationals is going to have to have a stricter cap. Most lifters 
are not going to go to nationals and many lifters may never get to nationals. I'm one of those. I was, I was a lifter who was never going to get to nationals based on the current qualifying totals. So if you could have had this quality at a regional level, this is everything I would have aspired as my goal of getting to. Yeah. Well, even for higher level lifters too, like, this would be a meet that I would like to do. These types of regional meets, it's uh, especially because I think maybe the primetime meet is going away. The local primetime meet is going away for the time being or from the people we've been seeing doing it. I know Marshall's putting a lot more of his attention into th- Southern regionals. I know Carolina primetime, that was the last one we're going to see of this. You know, TBS primetime, you know, if Mark kind of stepping away from that meet, uh, directing responsibility. Um, that might be going away as well. So that leaves you with a limited primetime meets at the local level. But if that's transitioned to regionals, that's, that's it's kind of what we were talking about the very first time that we were speaking. Like more meets outside of nationals that are meaningful, that people want to do, that have a good amount of lifters there who are above 500 dots, that has a great live stream, that has a lot of people going. I think you can have a primetime session at regionals. It could be a pro qualifier, but it could also just be a primetime session. Like, you are seeing some good things with these regional meets. I think we're going to get Brad Cooleyard, the pro series director, on here soon. Um, There's a lot of things that we kind of know about uh, that are just – I don't think they're officially official, um, and they're still kind of getting planned out and everything, but I think they're going to get announced soon. And once they do, we'll get Brad on here. But kind of what you're saying there seems to be what it's leading towards, is, which is exactly what we want. We want regionals to be – a mainstay that's the next tier that's where we have pro qualifiers it would be a super cool system to continue to progress on and this was yeah it was it was the best meet i have been to outside i mean in that system like there's virginia pro but virginia pro is not 190 lifter three platform meet that's completely different and then outside of nationals i've never been to a meet that was three platforms and ran as smoothly and flawlessly like this there was just no mm-hmm. issues all day it went really really well we had some great lifting too we we had the the best lifter of the day probably was in the regionals. It wasn't even the PQ with Cran and Warford. Like, I mean, frankly, yeah, that was sure. that was pro- arguably the best performance of the entire day, and we had that at regionals. I would say still behind Bam Bam, but uh, for females, absolutely. But um, yeah, the the regular session of regionals um, at Good Journalism by Brad Cooliard, who will be coming on the show soon, telling us that she's doing the meet. I was not aware of that because one didn't know her full name, uh, and two just. There's a lot of lifters before the primetime section, the pro qualifiers section, and that's where you get some sort of reward for winning the meet. Um, when I saw her, when he kind of told, like, she's doing this meet, it's like, okay, well, this is going to be big. One, she's the most influential lifter there. Um, over 100,000 followers, I think, on Instagram. Uh, in, in the regular session and even the primetime session, no one really holds a candle as far as influence and how many people know her. And on top of that, you can see her videos. She's strong as hell. No question about it. Strong as hell. Has a coach who knows what he's doing now to kind of coach her and just get her into a good position to to really up that dots. Because going into it, got DQ'd from her last meet, had the highest, like her highest dots, like 447 or something. So that was even lower than that. that. People would ask, why was she not in prime time? Her last meet, which probably would have given her the dots that was needed, uh, she, she, uh, I believe she bombed out on deadlift. Um, so yeah. I, she wasn't having a dots to, to, to qualify for. Cause I think you had to have four fifty. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it she, wasn't high enough. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, incredible. I mean, she, she's, unfortunately she's not going to be at nationals. Um, that's kind of a sucky situation that I, I mean, 
she should be, but at the same time, you, you can't really open that Pandora's box because then if she's in, then Frank Allen's in, then Tiffany's in, and then it just continues to work its way down. It's just kind of, I mean, this all goes back well, to nationals should have been, nationals should have from the get-go been planned better, but fortunately they're able to let any pros get in. Uh, so that's going to kind of solidify that and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's the best 75 kilo lifter in the USAPL right now. And frankly, if you're looking at like world level and you're, you're comparing with Jessica Agata, um, and, uh, Carlina, obviously she's a little ways off, but I mean, I, I she probably, I, she probably has the potential to be the best of all four of those, yeah. in my opinion, I, like, genetically oh, yeah, sure. and knowing her athletic background and how new she is in the sport. Uh, I, I think she, she probably within the next two years is going to be the best 75, 76 kilo lifter in the entire world. Yeah, she's going to be in that conversation. I actually think she should be probably in that conversation now because of the way she performed at this meet. Her second squat attempt, I'm like, this is going to be a ridiculous meet. You can always have those little moments that you can tell from a lifter that they're on, they're going to make big jumps, and they're going to be successful in those big jumps. And it was pretty much her second squat where I'm like, this is going to be big. She broke that record on her third squat. Um, bench went really well. And, you know, again, like when you saw her second attempt deadlift, like she's going to nail this over her, her third attempt here uh, because I still think she had about two and a half to five kilos on each one of her lifts uh, the entire day. And, yeah, they they, they got a juggernaut. Flex has got a juggernaut there. And he, he absolutely she, – yeah, she murdered that meet. Um, has to be one of the biggest surprises of – the year kind of right. You have someone from the regular session taking the open record like that. What I, again, if you just look it, at that base value four forty seven dots and then last meet getting like bombing on deadlift. And then you're just going in, looking at the meet, like didn't expect the person from a regular session to take an open, uh, open record in the USAPL. I would say yes and no. Like as soon as I knew she was competing, I knew she was going to do something crazy. I mean, we, we know her strength was pretty nuts. I mean, so but yeah, that that was insane. And then the 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 pro qualifiers, both that I that lived up to the hype. I'm trying to think back to when we've had that many like pulls for the win and craziness because both sides were pretty insane. Yeah. Um, uh, before before we get started though, I want to bring up something really quick, just with the whole because I know a lot of people are saying like, well, why didn't she get a pro card like invitation or a pro qualifier invitation? Like for me, what I think can't should be done is you have a chance to win your pro card at pro qualifier meets if you have the highest dots of the day. I think they should just open that up. Like, if you're in a but regular those, section and have the highest dots, that, then... They were they were separate meets, though. That, those were yeah, two, I know. That's where I think two different... So you could... Southern Regionals the, the, well, is a here's, pro qualifier no, but meet. This is, this, this is the issue, though. This is where it screws people over. Because if the pro... If the session... If the, the PQ session is part of Regionals they can place in those categories. And then that really messes up, in my opinion, the people who are trying to get top three in that handicap. Does that make sense? Not so necessarily. There, 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 are people, there are people trying to place top three in each division with that handicap. And if you're putting all of those people in that, it's then bumping everyone down. And they don't know what they have to hit because it's a different session. Okay. All right. Now I, okay. Now I think you're talking about with the, yeah, but the regionals does set a different problem because what I was thinking is if it's a national meet and there's a primetime session, what you total in the regular session can win you nationals if you have the highest total and it can win you a pro card. So it's like, I'm thinking more so if you flip it, 
on that and just have if it's a regional meet and you have a prime time at the regional meet, whoever has the highest dots stands. So everyone else at the meet has to beat that dots in the primetime session, similar to how it would be at nationals. I do understand what you're saying with the handicap and why it's yeah. there. I, I don't think what you're saying is, is incorrect. Like if they did that, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't have any kickback. I, I yeah, do I, like, I, I would not I, complain I kinda, if they lifted the rules a little bit. It's like, yeah, she's a pro now. <laughs> like, I, I, I kind really of, yeah, I, I kind of I like though that it's a separate meet because again, regionals is supposed to be for those lifters that are trying to get to nationals, not the people trying to get their pro cards necessarily. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that separation so that, those people aren't taking spots away in the top three from possible nationals qualifications from those regionals competitors. So I, I don't like that to an extent. So, but, but yeah, I, I can, I can live there. So which one do you want to go first? You want to go, you want to go men's or women kind of recap there? Well, I say women's because that was a real, that was one of the more interesting sessions that I have seen, uh, especially when it got down to deadlifts because you know, the, the women that we thought were going to be the top were pretty much at the top the entire day. Then with deadlifts, it got, really dicey and it was a strange situation i want to hear your take on it because i've been hearing a little bit mixed bags as far as the attempt selection goes uh so, in, in regards to may and lisha yep. um because so i think I, tiffany, tiffany did it perfectly it just wasn't quite there for her on the day but those two you were questioning on the live stream people are like oh it's really good attempt selection i'm like I, for me personally especially in may situation if you're not taking a final deadlift it's it's not the best situation to be in. It is so I taught I went straight to Marcellus and Anas afterwards and told them my opinion and we had a nice little discussion. And here's the interesting thing. This is my opinion. I think Marcellus and Anas both messed up and I would not have done what they did. But if Anas did what I think he should have done, I actually think Lysha wins. So let me see if I can explain this. So Okay. The reasoning here is Anas, I, I, I might have these numbers wrong. I don't have this, these numbers in front of me. I believe, uh, so Anas believed May's absolute top end was 202.5, which means that uh, Lysha would do 205. And Anas believed that Lysha had 205 and was pretty sure of that. So that's the reason he went up to 210 and basically said, Screw you, Marcellus and Lysha. I'm going to make you go 210 as well, and we're going to put all our cards on you hitting that. And Marcellus was confident enough that Lysha had 210, that he and he thought that May had 202.5, that he didn't want to drop. And the issue there then became that they kind of forgot about Tiffany, and that's where we kind of were pretty critical there, because then Tiffany got a chance to pull for the win. Within yeah. that, May wins. And frankly, here's what I would have done. And what I think would have been the outcome then. I believe Marcellus should have dropped to 205 to then force Anas to go 202.5. Then you see if May hits that. If May hits it, then I believe Lysha only has to go 207, and I think she may hit 207. And then I think Lysha wins. But then May doesn't win. That's the issue. So Anas, I, I, I disagree but I actually think what Anas did ended up winning May the pro card. And what I think likely should have happened, I think Lysha may have won. It's got, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it, it does. Um, it just, it's a strange, it's, this is kind of, this is kind of the weird thing with dots battles, right? Because that, that's 
with weight class battles, way more simple. You're talking about yeah. just about numbers here. You're just talking about numbers, and then it starts to make sense a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, I was just looking at it like I, I never want to be in a situation as a lifter to not take a third deadlift. Right. And, but I mean, that's where you know your lifter. Maybe if I had a little bit more of a scouting report on May, which by the way, I still kind of do. But with that meet, everything looked really effortless. So it's one of the, the only scouting reports. Like if she tells Anas something and if she's saying something and like they know each other very well and they're going to get the accurate number they need on the platform, that's a scouting report. Cause I had a very hard time judging her RPs on all of her lifts. Like I didn't know what was there for her on the day. I, I, I really didn't yeah. because. Well, Not so familiar Anas, with things, very, very few competitions to really see. Anas told me, I, I might, again, I believe I'm correct on this, might be wrong. I believe he told me he was for sure confident in 200. He thought 202.5 was 50-50. But the issue is if they go 200, Lysha only needed 205. And he was very confident Lysha had 205, mm-hmm. which that's why agree. he went to which is why he went 210 to force Lysha to go 210. But that's where I actually think that Marcellus made a mistake because if he drops to 205, that would have forced Anas to drop to 200. And then I think Lysha wins. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, so that, that's, where, I, that's where I say the, what, my, disa- my disagreement and my agreement with you that you always should take a third. I actually think Anas ends up playing out well, but you very much risk the fact that Tiffany, I really thought, had 220 230 on the day was it it's just the only issue was that i think she she blew all of her energy on that 227 it's just that oh. i don't think they don't i don't think they thought they would have a chance they they were just kind of playing their own game and they were like holy cow look what may oh, yeah. and, and may and lisha just did <laughs> holy cow we now have a chance to to do this yeah for sure like that was i mean exactly what i was looking at there was okay you just opened a door tiffany and we said on the, the commentary you just opened a door for tiffany a lot there and it did that second attempt was most definitely a struggle. I think they took their third on their second, but at that point it's like, okay, like the max you can do is two and a half to five kilos. And on deadlifts, you do like, you do have the luxury of just saying, screw it, leave it all on the table and let's see what we can, let's see what we can pull here. You do have that luxury and that range is perfect, right? Two and a half to five kilos. You don't have to go any more than that. That's exactly what you want if you're in Tiffany's position. I thought based on just um, she was going to get that on willpower alone. Very intense throughout the day, um, you know, frightening the barbell up. But And I thought that was going to be the that last deadlift. I'm like, two and a half yeah. kilos? That's perfect for her. I mean, if it, if, you, if it was five kilos, I would have been less and than 50. If it wasn't for Cranon, Tiffany's the breakout star. She's still a breakout star, but if it wasn't for Cranon, Tiffany's really the the highlight of like the the breakout star of the meet. Um, I would so. say May. May. I would say May. May. I, yes, May, but like one pro. I think we, we, we already thought meet, we already thought we already thought of May winning this though. We weren't thinking we, about Tiffany we winning that. that. We knew that. I don't think anyone else knows. Okay, I'll agree there. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's the, now that's the whole, that has nothing to do with how good of a lifter you are. That's bullshit Instagram stuff where people don't know who, the same thing with Tiffany. People don't know who it is. I think more people know Lysha at this point within her powerlifting career, but people seeing that May has a pro card, they're like, okay, we're not too familiar with this lifter. And I think if Tiffany did the same thing, like if, if Cranham won, everyone would have been like, she's not a pro already. 
because she's she has a lot of influence in the community. So a lot of people know her. But yeah, I mean, it was a great session. I mean, again, it gives us something to talk about. And um, you saw a lot of hit lifts. It came down to final deadlifts. There was really good execution on day from a lot of lifters there. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think the the female pro qualifier section was great. Um, but on the men's side, I think you had a, a, a bit of a different situation, a little bit more simple to follow. And if we're talking about breakout performances, this has to be Bam Bam's breakout performance. Yep. And we we obviously thought about Kyle being the favorite. If you would have told me he was going to weigh 86 kilos, that changes mm-hmm. a lot. Now, if Kyle could have hit 822, that still that makes it a little bit more interesting. But I don't. Bam Bam was just a stronger lifter on the day. Like I, I don't know what he could pull. I don't, I don't know what he could have pulled. There wasn't a limit there. He, he did it. All of his lifts were perfectly called, but still something that I'm like, he's not expending too much energy. Squat was beautiful. Bench was beautiful. And he, and his second attempt deadlift, I'm like, you can put whatever you need to win. And I'm, I'm not doubting that he's going to pull it. That's how good everything looked on the day. Yeah. No, it was just, it was a perfect ending to the meet for him to hit that deadlift. How effortless it was to beat uh, Mike Tashur's 10 year record. Uh, that was just huge. I mean, it was amazing. I can't wait to. I don't know. You can pull eight, eight sixty, eight seventy at nationals. Three, three eighty, three eighty five. I don't. I don't know. Wait. I mean, just he, that shouldn't say three eighty to three eighty five. He just pulled three eighty four. Three ninety to three ninety five. Yeah. I don't know. That was that was nuts. I mean, he's that he. I mean, I'm gonna say he's the favorite for second. You can't say first because Jared Martin exists, and Jared Martin does total around like nine sixty to nine sixty five. Unfortunately, we don't have Kevin Wynn this year. Yeah, I don't know what's, what's I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Uh yeah, a lot Bam of Bam 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 huge injury. meat. And I just realized something as you were talking about Instagram and am I gonna have to get a threads to research? I, I do think threads is gonna die in about three well, months you're gonna powerlifting. Have to get uh, I need not, you, I need you on threads. I'm not doing it's it for P I might I might do it with my personal account. I'm not doing it with PRs. I do not want the dumb little at two million four hundred and sixty five in my bio. I refuse. Wait, what? Everyone's bio says the number you signed up. Go look at your bio. It, it I, you can see oh, who's I on threads. I, I, I just thought they gave me a number like I was a college student or something. That is the number of you signing up for threads, and it indicates you are on threads in your bio. I do not want that on my PRs page because I don't that. want threads. I don't want. You you, I, I have Twitter. I don't think. No, you can't. You can hide the bad. Not right. On Instagram. Yeah, I just saw that thing. I just like it because I get to click really quick onto my oh, threads. Okay. Dude, I'm, I'm, I, I am fully on the Threads bandwagon. One sentence, I get my point across. Yes, I, this is my app. I need <laughs> it this. Is not, it, it is not my app. I mean, I, I, no, I, it's, no, it's, I it's, it's, it's just, it's just Twitter. there for breaking news so I can put repost and easily repost on two white lights. Because you're the breaking news guy. So we I need see, you, you want me to, to break start. News. I'll break it on Instagram. I'm not going on it. I have no interest. I hate, give, I hate, I already hate Twitter. I don't feel like going on threads. Okay. Well, power, Twitter, power, I, I, I already call it three months. Three months. It's going to be done for powerlifting. Anyways, it's not going to last because powerlifters don't have personalities and no one cares. So it's going to go back to people just making sure they can post their, uh, mic'd up training videos on Instagram. And I'll be there to have a sentence hating it. This is the app for me. 
I think I, I think I can actually work this into most being my pleasure, like of just getting all my negativity, positivity as well in one to two sentences tops. And also I think it could be a good thing for two white lights, but yeah, whatever. We'll talk about threads maybe towards the end of the podcast. What were you getting at though? That if people are posting stuff on there, I'm not, how am I going to research? I'm not going on threads. Oh, yeah, I'm not researching on threads. On I, I, I don't know that. I think it's going to be like Twitter. Like, I followed Jamar Royster recently. He is treating that thing like Twitter. He's got like 700 posts already. Like, like it's a life update, life update, life update. And it's from a lot of people. Petrie's kind of one of them as well. There's people who are obviously used to Twitter and I never really liked Twitter. And then this one, it's like, oh, I see how you should tweet. And I, I don't know if I can do the 30 updates a day, but I think most people would stick just to their top sets and all that stuff on Instagram, hopefully. But I... Back on to the, I think we talked a little bit too much about threads and Twitter there. Uh, might be a discussion towards the end of the podcast. But, um, I mean, with, yeah, with Bam Bam here, I think we're at the, he's the breakout performer of the meet. Everything looks so easy. And I, I you know, I know the narrative kind of from some people is like, man, I feel bad for Kyle de Leon. I feel better, by the way, everyone at Work Hat Drink. I said Kyle de Leon again. If, I mean, you're in that situation. It's tough, I know, but at the same time, you just he lost to the better guy that day. It yeah, it was going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot to beat Bam Bam on that day. Kyle's also coming off the Arnold shorter layoff, and also got to think about okay, you do this meet, but then you also have Nationals ten weeks later. So you have so he's got a pretty tight schedule where Bam Bam, it's a little bit easier to kind of you know expand this a little bit, like expect like wean out these meets and spread them out. Kyle's, you know, going to be doing three meets in a very short period of time. So those are things you have to consider, but I, it's just at the end of the day, Bam Bam was the best on the, was the best lifter on that day. Not a lot yep. of people. And we, were like, we have pro we cards can be Bam Bam on that day. We haven't mentioned it, but Dylan Campbell as well. Uh, he, he, I mean, we've been, we've, Talked about him on like three preview shows now, and he finally did the meet, and it was as expected. I mean, if it, I mean, the third great. squat, obviously, he's got to work on that. I mean, that was about what I expected because he, he tends to squat a little bit high in the gym, and you can see once he gets to that certain threshold, he starts cutting a little bit high. But uh, overall, I mean, it was a huge day for him, um, especially kind of looking at him in the future in that 110 class. Oh, yeah. He's. If he's if he sticks around to it, he's going to be an absolute force in the sport. I mean, not a lot of meets under his belt. He's he's that type of lifter who, if you watch him lift, you can tell he's going to make progress. You can tell he's going to do the right things. He's got fantastic technique. He's incredibly explosive. He's a very strong guy. He's got all the makings for it. So he's if he sticks with it, um, he's going to make a lot of noise. And next step for him is to do meet outside of Houston. And outside of Texas, like now you got to start expanding. You got to start thinking about nationals. If you want to go powerlifting America, because he's a great junior lifter. That's something he has to consider too. I mean, junior worlds for a junior lifter, USAPL, not the best federation. If you're a junior lifter, you go to powerlifting America and do IPF junior worlds. I, I can see him within the next three years being in that stage. I, there's the world is very open. For Dylan, the powerlifting world is very open, and he's got to explore it just a little bit. Yeah. So, at excited there, and Kyle, and you know, kind of back to Kyle here. Going into national is going to be interesting because I still don't know what weight class he's doing based on the conversations I had with him. 
and he's got to make up well, his mind like within a week. Well, is he is he changing his mind based on what we're going to talk about next? Is that is that part of the discussion? Not really. No, I think it's. I mean, for him, for him in particular, I think it's just the long game here, and it's clear he's going to be a ninety ninety three heel lifter just in his future. So it's you know I, I don't want to speak too out of term because I don't know if it's it's a thing with him and Karen and his coach, but. I mean, that's the obvious thing, right? Like, he's probably not going to be a lifetime 82.5 kilo lifter. He's eventually going to have to go up a weight class. So you have to make the decision if that time is now or you want to wait a little bit. But eventually you're going to be in that weight class. And uh, before we transition here, Bam Bam arguably with the greatest post-meet celebration ever. Him jumping into the live stream to do an interview right after that and kind of forcing himself to do an interview was one of the best moments of the day. Bam Bam is a likable, likable dude. He's strong as hell, but friendly as all as, as can be. He works his ass off in the gym. I love Bam Bam. He is turning into one of my favorite lifters. He's great for the sport, great for the community. He competes. He challenges himself. He's going to be at Nationals. I'm excited to see more of Bam Bam in the future, and I'm excited for the powerlifting world to see more of Bam Bam as well. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. He's he is very very entertaining to watch, and just the energy he he puts out on the platform. So, yeah. great nickname too. Yeah, Bam Bam. It's it's one of those actual good nicknames. Like Brandon Dudley. I don't know how you get Bam Bam out of that, but he's got Bam Bam out of it. So I I got a I got a I got a guess that's going back to like a baseball nickname. It sounds like it, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm always thinking wrestling. Bam Bam Bigelow, the ni- 1990s wrestler. Um, guys, check out his highlight reel. Bam Bam Bigelow, by the way, on YouTube, it's awesome. Like 350 pounds and jumping off the top rope and just slamming into people. It's great, but yeah, great nickname. Probably yeah, probably. And also, that's another thing to like. Baseball player, gotta love baseball players. Yeah. Golf. You know what else too. you gotta love? CB Love Bros. Yeah, Love Love yeah. Bros. Gotta love 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 Bros. They. CB joined us on live stream commentary. Joined probably more of you. He added <laughs> handsomeness to the live stream commentary in spite of you not being able to see him. Oh yeah, the the, the immediate sex appeal from the get go. Um, it, it got a little weird what he was doing with his hands under the table, but I'll allow it. I, I did too. Yeah, I did too. I, I'll, I'll allow it, but also. Uh, the machismo was there, and it was probably because he was just wearing all Leflar Bros merch. Because that's what I've been yeah. telling you guys since the, the, the start of Two White Lights and the Leflar Bros partnership. You are going to look good. You're going to feel good. You're going to be a better person if you have Leflar Bros merchandise on you. So make sure you go into LeflarBros.com. Use that promo code 2WL15. Save yourself some money. Look good in the gym. Look good out the gym. I got some of their new deadlift socks. I did some really terrible, I don't know, broadcasting, podcasting. I don't know what you want to call it. Being a sponsored athlete, telling everyone to get the cop tees. They're not available yet. I didn't know that. I thought they were available when I got them. Um, but when they do become available, we will announce it, and they're awesome. I was wearing it at the meet, at the gym afterwards. Also, the socks they just released are fantastic. They got deadlift socks galore, so make sure you guys are on Left Love Bros using that promo code 2WL15 and ORC15. And, hell, wish them a happy birthday while you're at it. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Now. Are we ready? Yeah, now on to our next topic here, because we were in Houston, 
we now are getting closer to nationals. We see new pros. We have this meet. Like, okay, what weight class is people going to do? And I don't know if this, is this a mystery in the powerlifting world outside of our little circle. I think it is. I don't think people realize this. Mm-hmm. So, I alluded to this on the last podcast. I kind of stopped myself before I fully said it. I, I, I'm about ninety seven point three percent sure uh, Russ is out of Nats. And he's done. He's going. I mean, I had already heard multiple from multiple sources in the know that he probably wasn't doing nationals. Uh, from someone who's followed his training incredibly closely, I know exactly what he does leading in the nationals. And I know the system of cutting, because if you don't know, he walks around usually 200 plus. And so he has to do a pretty drastic cut. Usually about 12 weeks out, he starts that. You'll start seeing him doing his treadmill lives, bunch of stuff. And... Mm-hmm. Programming changes. There are certain rep schemes I know are coming, and there's certain drop offs and things that are going to kind of happen. Hasn't really been happening, and that kind of coincides with what the the multiple sources I've heard telling me he likely wasn't going to be doing nationals. Um, and that's why I kind of alluded. If he what I mentioned on the last podcast, if people listen, you caught it. I said if he's doing it, I think he's going ninety. I I just I doesn't seem like he's going eighty two and a half. Well, I think we got the nail in the coffin. He uh, he posted himself being drunk in Puerto Rico yesterday with uh, I think his girlfriend. I don't I don't know the situation there, but uh, okay. yeah. So I yeah I I think he's out. I think I think that's pretty much nail in the coffin that Russ is not doing it and he'll be going IPF next year. Um, so that leads to the fact and Jawan's out. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. That's where it, Kyle makes it very interesting if he comes back down to eighty two and a half because then you got yourself uh, Noriega Jamar. Lucky Kyle. Um, we'll see. Uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. One Honcho. Gerald Scott. Yeah, Gerald Scott. If he's healthy and back into it, I, I might be forgetting a couple. Uh, Chris Perez. Chris Perez. Jin. Yeah, Perez. Sean Jin. Put himself onto the scene there. I mean, still stacked either way. I mean, no, I, I, figure, I figure the <laughs> one to five is probably going to total just as much, if not more, than the world's winner this year. Um, but yeah. I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be, if it's bad journalism, I might end up being correct. I'll take the L, but I'm, I'm yeah. pretty darn confident saying Russ is out of Ron Nats. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And cause no one's going to probably like even care or listen to this part. I was debating on how much I should speak on this because it sets myself up for a very weird situation, right? Um, I'm, I'm fully under the impression that they do not like me if I go a little bit North. Um, and anything I say possibly is just going to be taken, packaged, clipped, and, you know, used, uh, for any sort of, <laughs> any sort of reason to have more issues with me. Um, so I don't know, like I've been hearing it so much from people and I'm trying to cloud it out because it doesn't matter. I have to focus purely on nationals. Um, I would I'm still not believing it until it happens. Like I do with everything, right? I just don't believe things. No one has said, no one, like he hasn't said anything and his coach hasn't said anything. And that's the only people I care about is him and his coach. Like if everyone, I've been getting a lot of DMs, a lot of people saying like, no, he's, he's not doing it. I'm like, I, you're not telling, like, he's got to say it in order for me to believe it. So you're at 97.3%. I'm at like 5% believing that he's not going to do it. because his name is still on the roster. And if your name is on the roster, I'm just going to fully believe that you're doing to me. I'll say it. If I've said it once, I said it a thousand times. I 
want him to do nationals, especially in my weight class. And if he doesn't do it in my weight class, it's probably better for the entire sport for him to do 90 because it gives you arguably the best showdown of the year with Petrie and Russ. And I know Bob and Ash is going to be a fantastic battle. Personally, I think Petrie and Russ publicity wise, rivalry wise, live stream wise, will get more traction than that. How about this? Nine minutes ago, he said, sorry, guys, I've been drunk and asleep all day. I feel amazing. Don't really take breaks like this. Okay. I, again, this is your, this is your thing. I don't, this could be a thing that, you know, Russ is just better than us and he's going on vacation and he's going to, he's going to go on vacation 10 weeks out and still wipe the floor with us. Maybe it's that situation. That's what I'm thinking in my brain. That's what I'm thinking. The issue, in my brain. The issue isn't that I think he could come back and still perform. The issue is getting to wait. Sure. I don't know. Sure. But I that's just, why I said that's why I said last podcast. That's why I said last podcast. If he does it, I if, if he does it, I'd be shocked if, if he goes ninety. But like I said, I also have multiple other reasons to believe even before all of this. Even take out any Instagram information. I already have multiple reasons of other sources of why I was already feeling like it wasn't happening. So but you know, like I know. Said, it doesn't matter. You don't, it doesn't matter because it doesn't change yeah. what you shoot for just because Russ isn't there. Like, you can only do what you can do. Like, you I would can't, have a you whole can't lot do different opinion. Yeah, I would have a whole lot more different opinion on this if it just wasn't my weight class. And I know the repercussions of speaking out of turn with people who are in your weight class. And he is one of very, very few people who I know is better than me. And you're always in a situation here if you know that that person is better than you that anything you can be said, that anything that you say about that said person can end up blowing up in your face, i.e. Sean Kim. Yeah. <laughs> you got to eat a lot of crow. So I just, it's going to, it comes down to announcement, then I'll have a full opinion on it then. If it's actually confirmed, then I have a full opinion of it. I had this discussion with a few people where it's a very funny situation <laughs> because this is a real thought. I don't know about Jamar, Sean, Chris, and all these other massive contenders in the 82.5 kilo weight class. But if Russ isn't there at Nationals and say one of us wins, we have to total over 838. Yeah. Or it's going to be kind of a. No, you know, like it's going to be that. You're sitting there with a gold medal, like, like yeah, I won. <laughs> which is funny because if Russ is there and he sucked and just totally underperformed going five for nine and say one of us totals like eight thirty five or something, we would just, I won, I'm the best. And just fucking showing everyone the medal, even though he didn't take the re- record, which is a very funny turn of events that happens. Like, <laughs> We're gonna if if Russ is removed from the equation, we're gonna battle for place, and we're gonna have all this. But I know in everyone in the back of everyone's mind, it's like eight thirty eight's got to be the eight thirty eight and a half is the goal today. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, we say the same back. thing. We say the same thing with that's a very fair thing. We say the same thing with the eighty threes at Worlds. Like if they're not beating Russ's total, we know they're not the best. Look, you know they're not. That doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter. It seems to matter to us, not. Everyone else. Uh, yeah, they, I, I agree with that. I think it matters to people in the United States, not to the international crowd. Mm, I, I think people are selective within the United States as well because it's a. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in. I'm in the situation where it's like, 
a lot of lifters here are totaling less than the top five people in 82 and a half in America. And it's still like, yeah, I'm number two in the world. Like, no, you very aren't. <laughs> you're not number two in the world. It's like, you're just simply not. You're not number two in the world if you total 15 kilos less than the guys in America. Like, yeah. now, if you go and put something up as, as far as the number goes, that it's like, I'm actually number two in the world and I got number two at Worlds. Like, okay, that's fine. But I I don't know. I I guess that's more of a inner weight class frustration with me. So, but this leads to, I'm going to say one thing real quick because I forgot about this in the recap that I wanted to point out. And then we'll get to what this leads to that I don't think people understand. And it's going to be very interesting. I want to I want to credit TBS with one more thing. They did indeed clean up after the meet. That mm-hmm. was a very good job for a Houston meet to be doing that to make sure they cleaned up. So I just want to put that out there real quick. Petrie helped. That was very nice of him. I think yeah. he helped set up too. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it is. I don't it is know good about that. that. You... I kind of helped. I was hoping people would take photographs of me helping. <laughs> Like I, it's like a politician doing like community service where I like unloaded, probably it was, it had to be Bam Bam's warm up, last warm up because it was so many reds on the bar. I wasn't even counting like, this is a lot of reds. So I, I just helped clean up there. I just, uh, yeah, unload. I'm like, you know, it would have been great if somebody just took a picture of me doing one little thing that was probably insignificant that someone else could have easily done in the same amount of time. But like, look at Angelo Fortino. Great power lifter. I mean, if, if you were to clean up one, if you were to clean up one thing, that would be more than some others. Maybe we'll get to that. What this, what this, what this is alluding to in the future. But for now, PA Nats in Sheffield. That might be buried might, in. Might that be might buried be buried. Powerlifting. I really do think that. Maybe, maybe that's a threads thing eventually. Maybe, maybe that's a little threads thing that we we get into. No, no one really, I don't know. No one could really say anything. So, all right. We're probably seeing too much now. So, regardless, if I am wrong about Russ doing Nats, it doesn't matter. We do know he's going IPF next year. I don't think – he hasn't announced it, but it that is – like, Yeah, announced it enough. He, it, it, it's happening. He's going IPF. He's been pretty – I feel like he's been open enough. So, he's got to do PA Nats. From my understanding, this is pretty certain. So, Sheffield is happening February 10th. PA Nats has not been announced yet, but I believe from my what I've heard, it's either going to be the last weekend of February, the same weekend as the Arnold, or the weekend after the Arnold. So either way, PA Nats is after Sheffield. So if we go back to this year, how it worked was at PA Nats, if you hit the Carpino one, you guaranteed your spots at Worlds. And whatever was left over, then Sheffield people who hit the Carpino one could get a spot. And then it trickled back down to proximity to to that or to Carpino one and things like that. It ended up not really being much of an issue because frankly, it could have been a thing. It, it, and if, if it happened like this year, if PA Nats was first PA Nats in sense, if we have all these people switch over that are apparently switching over, um, you could in sense have all the people from Sheffield not qualify, but now Sheffield's first. My biggest question is how are they going to do this? Because we are going to have, I mean, I'm going to list some names. I mean, we've had some people talk about it. Petrie's really open about it. I think Perk has been open about it. Uh, Ash and Bob are kind of, I think, have kind of talked about openly about it. Uh, uh, you got Russ going. Um, and from that, I know there's other women. Celine is going to be there. There's some other women. I don't want to out them because I don't know if they've been open. There's going to be people going over there. It's going to be more stacked. Yeah. There's going to be a transition. This is going to be 
it's going to be interesting. So here's the, here's the scenarios. If they use the same system, either one, the Sheffield people, if they hit a Carpino one, get a spot at Worlds. And if that's the case, then that means people going to PA Nats, almost or some of them might be going and not even have a chance. Like for the instance, like Delaney hits the Carpino one, that's already taken the 83 spot. And then now you're battling for the fact of who's going to get an alternate. And frankly, Bob and Ashton, if they're both going, you're probably whoever gets second is probably going to be the highest alternate based off of Carpino, knowing where their totals are versus the 105s. Or the opposite, Sheffield can hit Carpino ones, but it only is based off of the fact of who doesn't get automatic spots at PA Nats. So you have to like, and what's going to happen there is if you aren't guaranteed through Sheffield, most of those Sheffield people are likely going to have to go do PA Nats. Keiko's probably going to have to go to defend against Petrie. Delaney's going to have to go to defend against Delaney. Um, there's going to yeah, be a lot plus. more scenarios like yeah. that too. That's pro- I think that's probably what's going to happen. And so then you're telling me that these people, what are you laughing on? You just said, I don't know, it's just something. I, I, I mess up every show, too. You said Delaney's going to have to go defend against Delaney. And I just... Oh, defend against Russ. I'm going to get I pulled an Angelo. Gamer first gamer here. That then would mean, like, for instance, let's say Keiko ends up beating Petrie. That would mean Keiko has to do Sheffield, then three, two to three weeks, two to four weeks later has to do PA Nats, and then has to do Worlds. But frankly, he's going to be at a huge disadvantage if he's going to have to go against Petrie, because that's our... I don't know. The, yeah. hopefully I'm explaining this. I think I'm, if, if this sounds crazy, it's because it is like, this is going I, to be a it's, crap it, show, no matter what way yeah, it, it goes. Down, it boils down to it just being at a bad time. Powerlifting American Nationals is at a bad time. And I think the only logical thing going forward is to move Powerlifting American Nationals to the fall where it fits into every schedule. It fits into world schedule and it fits into Sheffield, and I think that was the plan all along, was to eventually mimic the USAPL's calendar, where they would have national September, October-ish. You would have the Arnold, which the Arnold is replaced with Sheffield for the lifters who do qualify, and then you have Worlds in June, where you get those three meets nicely spread out. But it's in the, right, it's um, it's in March. The thing is, it actually it makes more sense for Sheffield to move though, because something like eighty plus percent of affiliate national meets are in February and March. Mm. It actually yeah, makes yeah. more sense for Sheffield to move. One of them has got to move though, because this system is terrible. I'm America first. Like, like, well, that's actually why, I mean, I, I think I can say this. That's actually why Sheffield was chosen for this time period initially, because it was based around the fact that, you know what, a good chunk, the majority of the, if the lifters are coming from the U S. So we were going to bias towards kind of making sure in USAPL was in the fall. So, that was the schedule, but it's going to be crazy next year. This is I, this. I We're going to get more. Inf- I don't want to allude too much of, or speculate too much, but no matter what, that is going to be not a good system. That is going to be a really, really messy system next year. Well, yeah. And I think it does prove the point because the issue I have with a lot of lifters saying, okay, IPF, right? Like everyone's got to go to IPF. It's, um, a short-sighted decision. You're not thinking in the long term here. Because for me, I've been telling people the same thing. You know, if you go on Q&As and you have other questions, or if you have just people you know, they ask you the same question. You're going to go to IPF to compete at IPF Worlds or Powerlifting America and do their nationals so you can compete at IPF Worlds. And it's like, I 
I really don't know. Yeah, Even like if you, I wanted for, to do it, you give me a scenario where I'm going to have a very weird situation where I might be competing against an alternate against someone else, and it's not the good clear-cut system that I'm used to. When I was when USAPL was part of the IPF umbrella in 2019 and 2021, if you win your weight class, you're going to nationals. If it was like that, it'll be a much more simple of a choice for me, and it, like the decisions kind of dwindled down. But it's not that. And also, if we're having all these people say at the same time, yeah, I'm going to go IPF, well, you might just have to do one to two meets a year, and one of those meets is going to be a local meet. And that's the that's the thing with the USAPL right now that I'm looking at. It's like they have a better volume of meets that I can do. Powerlifting America and the IPF does not. And I think people making these decisions and saying, like, I'm just going to go IPF because I'm going to, I want to compete at Worlds. Like, okay, but hopefully you have a, a good opportunity to do so. Well, I, I'm going to come back around to my new biggest pet peeve in powerlifting of people saying I'm going IPF. But let's use a scenario of yourself where this runs into an issue. Let's say next year you decide I'm going to go to PA because that's where Russ is going and I want to compete head to head against him. Okay. To do that, you have to formally revoke your pro card because you have to get out of USAPL's OMT because according to WADA and IPF or whatever things they make up, you cannot be drug tested by the USAPL or that's going to suspend you. So you've got to revoke your pro card. Then you've got to go against Russ. And let's just be frank. There's a good chance Russ wins. Mm-hmm. If you then have to either one, stay PA, or two, if you want to go back to USAPL, you have to re-earn your pro card. And if you do go back to USAPL, you then are basically uh, suspended in perpetuity from the IPF and can't go back to PA Nats next year. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have like all these people are just saying I'm going to go IPF. Well, you're likely actually going to PA Nats to lose to revoke your pro card and then be stuck because either one, you're going to have to stay there and just not do much or two, you're going to go back to USAPL and then be suspended in perpetuity for 12 months, every USAPL meet you do after and not be able to go back to powerlifting America. It's going to be a mess. So I'll say it now, pet peeve. If you say you are going IPF, you are not, you are going to powerlifting America to have a chance at being one of the eight people. And frankly, I've seen a lot of people say I'm going IPF and looking at their total and they're going to get absolutely crushed. Mm. And I just laugh hysterically because you are not going IPF. Only eight people are. And let's be mm. frank. That, yeah, no that, one said that, that when you we, we kind of know who is probably going to win in most of these situations. And so you are mm-hmm. not going IPF. You are going over to PA to do, let's be honest, a lesser national meet in the grand comparison of size and scale. And, and I always say competitiveness because, frankly, there are some weight classes that could be more competitive. To then be stuck not doing IPF meets to do power. So you're going power for America. You are not going yeah. IPF. You, well, you yeah, do that's... not get the choice to go IPF. Or even worse, to some people saying, I'm going over there to do Sheffield. Well, that's cool. Not only do you have to win Powerlifting American Nationals, you then need to win IPF Worlds to then go Sheffield and be one of 20 people or 24 people that get to do it in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then hopefully you get, if you don't, hopefully you get selected as a wild card in some situation, which, uh, like, the whole wild card process, too, it's it's not as easy as people think, where it's like, oh, if I'm a good lifter. Like, no, you, like, there is some requirements there. Um yeah, I, I wonder if people said that when the USAPL was included in the IPF. Like, I'm just, like people from the USAPL, like, I'm going IPF. No, what they would say was I'm going to the USAPL. 
But now it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the IPF side because it's created this two branding things of it's IPF versus USAPL. And I, I think a lot of fans, a lot of spectators, like within the sport, just think things are that easy. That it's that simple. I think a lot of international lifters are too, because they ask me a lot of international lifters, like, why don't you go to the IPF? I'm like, well, because it's really hard to win our nationals. Now, if I was competing in your nation, I'd probably win your nationals. I'm confident in winning pretty much every nationals in the world, maybe minus the U. It's the hardest. Yeah, I mean, country it, to win on, a the, world. on the on the men's side, I uh, multiple classes are harder to get to worlds than it is to win worlds on yeah. the men's side. Women, it's, women's it's not so, as much. So I mean, a cup a couple women's classes like you got Natalie and Amanda. Uh, who are kind of far and above. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, yeah. Hey, we got a lot, we got a lot of people on the world team this year that will not be back. I mean, we got Alexis Jones going over. Do we even see Taylor Atwood at worlds anymore? If perks going over. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. And then that, that's, that's a complete facelift. And also just, it's a, it's, you're dealing with a different set of circumstances. If you are an American lifter, especially in my weight class. Um, and other weight classes too, because I mean, if you look at the 93s, 93s is internationally the most competitive weight class, and that one's incredibly difficult to win on the state in the on in the states. Because what would you have, Petrie, Keiko, um, Gavin? What if uh, Chance comes back? You have this unbelievable Shark Tank of American lifters. That's four lifters deep that can all win worlds. Then in 83s, well, as well as as well as likely. As well as likely two of those being at Sheffield, and like, because Keiko's at Sheffield, I, I'm going to say it. Expect to see Gavin at Sheffield. I think that's likely happening. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they've already kind of promoted it. Uh, so therefore, then you'll have Petrie and maybe Chance. And like I said, you have to see. Like, the, does does Gavin and Keiko's yeah, Sheffield performance automatically qualify them, or do they got to? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, gonna, we're gonna see because if if they announce that Sheffield people get automatic spots for getting the Carpino one, I think then you're gonna have people like Petrie and 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 some other people just say, well, screw it, there's no reason to go because like Keiko and and Gavin are gonna hit it. If Taylor gets a wild card spot, which I think is a very strong possibility, he's gonna get it. You're probably gonna well, have those things, and I don't know. It, that's gonna be a mess. That is going to be an absolute crap show next year and i don't i don't think there's any way around it being a crap show yeah that's why i'm big on wait and see like i have one meet in front of me take care of that meet and then after that meet see where the chips lie but at the same time i don't know if they'll announce it because if you want to talk about power plays wouldn't that be a fantastic power play like okay everyone sign up for powerlifting american nationals revoke your pro cards it's like oh by the way sheffield people might have an automatic or might have an opportunity to clinch world spot before you do nationals, making this meet useless for you. And that's what Power of the America Nationals is if I'm not getting into worlds. It's a useless meet. Yeah, and I think the more likely scenario is that you do have to win. Like, I don't think Sheffield people are going to be guaranteed. I think that's the more likely scenario that you do have to be at nationals. But then that heavily handicaps some of the Sheffield people. Like for Natalie, in, in my own bias, it's probably not an issue. I think we can probably go and just do an easy day at Powerfing American Nationals and get our spot. And so that's not really an issue. But if you're talking like Keiko and Delaney, uh, Megan Scanlon, uh, if uh, Bonica goes, I'm trying to think of some other ones. That's not easy. 
That is not easy at all. They're going to have to do a two to four week turnaround and then try and be in an intense battle to try and earn their spot. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that that is going, anyone who thinks they're just going to PA, it's, it's going to be interesting. And for sure. If you think you're going IPF, you're probably not. What you're probably doing is going to lose and then sit there without your pro card anymore. And if you go back then, cause you, you got, it's almost like a thing. Now you got to be strategic. You got to be very strategic when you decide to go over. That's yeah. even a coaching thing. I know talking to Marcel, I think he's okay. We're talking about it. He's talking about how is he going to be strategic when he coaches? Like it might be best to sit out power to American nationals so that he can actually coach at worlds and then get his suspension after that. Like you almost got to be strategic there of like when you even decide you're going to coach at a meet with some of these coaches. Yeah, it's a common, it is really a combination of things like that makes the split difficult because if you are an untested lifter, um, or a tested lifter, I apologize. If you are a tested lifter, these are the two federations to compete at, and you have these two great avenues to go. And that's that's actually a good part about the sport right now, right? You got these two great avenues to go, but it's like walking through landmines trying to make it all work because you can get suspended, which sucks. You um, can lose potential business, which sucks. And then also it, it does hinder you as a power lifter. Like for me, this is this is why you have to think long term if you're a power lifter. I'm not making any decisions until people start making announcements on things. Nationals is simple. I'm 10 weeks out of nationals. I'm doing nationals. All these other things, like if you're talking about next nationals for powerlifting America or the USAPL, just wait, especially on the IPF side and powerlifting America. What if they start having these awesome local meets and something like we're seeing with the development of the, the primetime local meets in the USAPL and you know uh, a really good pulling factor in getting people over to the USAPL from maybe, say, the USPA? What if that happens? Like, you can't be so damn short-sighted in the sport. And I think a lot of lifters are short-sighted. They see something shiny that is presented to them, and they're like, I want that. I'm going to immediately go towards that because I'm excited because that's what's going on in the moment. But that thing is 12 months away. And this sport changes really within a month sometimes. Minnesota just no longer exists in the USAPL. That happened like in two weeks. Beth didn't see that one coming. Yeah. If you were planning on doing a regional meet and you're from Minnesota, it's like, what the hell just happened? I'm not no longer like a USAPL member. What, what is any of this? So, yeah, I, I that's my just my general frustration with powerlifting in general is just how short sighted they can be and making these decisions, and then other people like trying to force your hand and convince you that yeah, this is the better route. Like, also, what I would like to point out is probably harder for me than everyone else. Because no one else built their whole persona around being a professional powerlifter. I might have handcuffed myself in that situation because I've been going around calling myself a professional and the professional for about two years. And then he got to well, revert well, the to thing something. Is, the, the thing is, too, when we get Brad on here. There is going to be some nice improvements to the pro series that I think could be somewhat more enticing to some people. And so then that mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we talk about it. everyone's just going to shift back and forth. It's, there's going to be a constant sway. I'm going to tell you on the IPF side, there are some things that could blow up the IPF in the future with, uh, I mean, I yeah, it, after the last, we're not going to talk about all the things we got, but after the last episode, when we talked about how, like, I think that there's a lot more issues that people just aren't bringing to light because like they're too scared to. Yeah, we got we got some D, we got some DMs. We got it's bad. 
Like they're yeah, we might Britain get just we might Brit- get some Britain too. Okay, Britain is having issues right now. There is more interest in USAPL International than I think people understand because people can't talk about it. Because if they talk about it, they're immediately going to be banned, and so it, it has to be like almost seek. I don't know. The, the, if anyone just thinks USAPL is going away in IPF one because it's kind of looking like IPF's got the leverage right now. This isn't even a bias thing. I am telling you, unbiased. That nothing is set in stone. There is, there's a lot oh. of stuff still going back and forth. I, it is, yeah. it is. Wait we're, we're not, we're, got, we're not getting a conclusion anytime soon. Wait Anyone and see. Who's... In Moneyball. Wait and see. Yep. So, just if you're, you're if you were a lifter, well, yeah. My big suggestion is always wait, wait everything yeah. out, see what speaking happens. Of, speaking of. Speaking of IPS stuff, we've got permission to talk about some emails. Do we want to talk? I, we can, yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. Forgot so, about this. Do you yeah, have let's email? talk about it. I have it. I've got I've got screenshots on my phone right now to, to okay, go cool. through yeah, it. He sent it to me. Okay. So, uh, if you remember back to after Sheffield, we talked about uh, the little tiff that uh, Gaston and Gino got into. And Gino <clears> listened, and he sent us the email that he sent Gaston and tag the entire EC of the IPF on. We didn't know we were allowed to publicly talk about it. And uh, f- funny enough, uh, the first night at the at the hotel at TBS uh, for the for the volunteer hotel, um, the fire alarm went off. So we not everyone, but I evacuated because it kept going off, and that's what you're supposed to do. And I get out there, and Gino's sitting there. I had to do a little double take because he wasn't in a pirate costume, and, I, and he also wasn't standing up, so I couldn't 100% tell it was him. But me and him just kind of talked for about 30 minutes, mainly just bashing the IPF and all the ridiculousness of it. Uh, but he, he brought up the emails. He's like, did you guys ever talk about that on the podcast? I was like, oh no, we, we haven't. Like, I didn't know that was like open for us to discuss. We don't, because we get sent a lot of stuff. There's, I don't think people realize how many things we get sent. Some of it, we don't know hundred percent of it's true. So we don't talk about. And a lot of the stuff is like people telling us stuff, but like, Hey, this isn't like something we can openly discuss because I could get in trouble. So we don't. So I didn't know if we could openly discuss. Well, he told us, oh yeah, you can say anything you want about it. So so let's get in the email. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Let's just kind of go through it. We got permission, so let's just do it. So it said, Dear Gaston, I want to follow up with you regarding your behavior at Sheffield Championships. I attended the competition as a guest of SBD and acted in a civil and courteous manner. You came to talk to me from amongst the 1,700 spectators of the event. Our first encounter was cordial and friendly. I even introduced you to a female USA powerlifting athlete who competed at the Arnold Sports Festival and set an American record. You attempted, attempted to recruit her for future IPF competitions at that first meeting, and then you pressed her again to join the IPF at the VIP reception. At our second encounter, during the competition, you again sought me out, coming over to my seat where you began to verbally berate me with hundreds of people watching the spectacle you made of yourself. Your tone was caustic, and your words were, well, Gino's a, Gino's a, a, a word genius, pernicious and prerogative. I don't even know. Your hubris is unparalleled. When I attempted to end the confrontation by asking you to go back to your seat, since you were standing right next, you were standing right next to my seat, you stated that this is an IPF event and I can stand wherever I want. I suggested that maybe your bitterness towards me was because I am more popular and powerful community than you. At this point, you seem to be become apoplectic. You began to shout even louder, and with more of the audience now watching this horrid scene. I included two comments: one from an athlete at the Sheffield Championships, and another from a random lifter. I think I think that was part of the email. I didn't see. These are just two of the thousands of positive comments I received regarding my participation in powerlifting. Seems you and a small minority are the only ones who feel I am not meeting your standards. At some point, I suggested it is highly unlikely that IPF will ever receive International Olympic Committee recognition. The response to this was that one of the reasons recognition will never happen is because I step onto the platform after the lift and raise the athlete's arm up when the lifter has set a national or world record. 
I am not an IP, even an IPF member and have not been for years. Your statement is ludicrous at best and as absurdity speaks for itself. Your behavior, quite frankly, is despicable. I would expect much better behavior from a president and believe you owe the spectators, not me, an apology. By the way, in my opinion, the SBD Sheffield Championships was better than any IPF competition run in any year in any country, including the competition I announced, 2015 Open Worlds and a grammar school gymnasium in the tiny nation of Luxembourg, a.k.a. Luxembourg is where uh, Gaston is from. Your turn. Sincerely, Gino Powerlifting. Gino handled that very well. I think I think that was a very well thought out email. <laughs> um, and yeah, I yeah I remember getting that email kind of like in this situation. Like, do I tell people about it? I don't know, especially because it's like it it does involve us. It involves Gino and uh, Gaston. So thank you, Gino, for allowing us to read that. But it it is a, just a ridiculous thing to have issues of a person flying out from America to watch a powerlifting event just for the sake of watching a powerlifting event. And Gino has been somewhat a big part of the sport, and I think well-liked. I think there are some critics of just him in general, but I think that's actually a good thing because that means you're out there quite a bit, and a lot of people do have or put you in high esteem and high favor as a result. But it all boils down to, of course, Gino is the reason why powerlifting is on the Olympics. Yep. And we are working I, very hard for two white lights to get blamed. That is all I want. I want us yeah. to be a reason why we're not in the Olympics. I'm like, I, is it not the the failed drug tests in the IPF? Is, is it not? I don't know. That? Apparently, apparently, if you are a technical ch- uh, commission chairman, your sons can get popped for growth like hormone, and it's completely fine. How many yeah, times? Twice? I mean, both. Oh, both sons got popped, and then one of them got popped again and is now on a seven-year suspension. And that person is still on – I don't know if it's the executive committee, but he is the technical commission chairman. He's a, he is in charge of the technical committee. And yeah, his it's, sons it's, it's are that, right? very the, openly I, doping. Because the Olympics, the trend right now is they want more failed drug tests. That's, that's what they want to see. They want more scandal, and they want more sports that can easily – bring themselves to a bunch of failed drug tests. That's what the yeah, Olympic so, walk. Yeah. Right? So Gino's, Gino's definitely not the issue. Not the fact that your technical commission chairman's sons are repeatedly doping. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm like, if I know one thing about the Olympics, which I know very few things about the Olympics, I know one thing they're totally okay with people just testing positive. They want more of that to happen based on the trends I'm seeing. And they hate guys dressed like pirates announcing powerlifting meets. Yeah. They hate and the pirates Olympics. in the Olympics. The Olympics yeah. They it's don't like pirates. I've never, like, yeah, I've, never, I've never seen a pirate. I think they're pretty good, too, with affiliate presidents sexually molesting women. I think that's an okay for the Olympics as well. That sounds about Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good one for the Olympics. That will definitely help. So, but, yeah. Yeah, but people just wish – I don't know. I think if it gets into the Olympics, I don't think an MC is even needed. <laughs> just, just in general, it's like we can just remove that entire part from the Olympic ceremony or the Olympic competition itself. We can just remove all of that. But um, <laughs> it's like it's like also it's like we need him in a suit. We need him. We can't have him be that tall and dressed like a, a Captain Morgan character. And also, it's probably an issue that Gino actually has competed in powerlifting. I think it's better if you don't compete in powerlifting and you're in charge. 
well, yeah, Tommy, he knows he knows a lot about the sport too. He just knows so much about the sport. Like he does take the time to really understand and explain. That's why he's a good MC. That's the underrated thing of Vino being an MC is his explanation on things. When crowd doesn't understand a call, he educates them. I because everyone thinks it's like, oh, it's like a stand-up comedy routine. No, it's not. Vino doesn't really he does less jokes and more of just good commentary and or good emceeing. That's that's what he does. But um I yeah. <laughs> I like that email. Didn't know when the good time to say it on Two White Lights was. I mean, the conversation you guys had was a good time to say it. And also just kind of always goes down to what we say about Gaston. And what a lot of people say about Gaston, because it's not just us anymore. It sounds like a lot more people are getting fed up with some of the IPF's action. But unfortunately for them, that's the only game in town. That's the only thing they can do is IPF meets. And if they don't do IPF meets, they... Have issues competing. I'm trying to play Wait, something. Though. It was bad timing, oh, okay. but it went to a, it went to a, a YouTube ad instead. So that that the timing there didn't work well, but I'm still going to play it since I already had it. Yeah, I'm waiting in anticipation. Not a bit of him scraggly or scrawny. I heard he wanted to come out today to I hope he does. Let's talk about stuff like this. If that actually comes out like this at like an IPF meeting or something, or like a, what are they, they what's that thing called? Do you like a dinner banquet? The banquets, the banquet, yeah, the VIP banquets. banquets. Yeah, if he came out to that, it's like, all right, you just scored one point in my book. And that's how you score a point in my book is do something really stupid. So, yeah. All right, well, good email. Good story there. I think that replaces Commercial Gym Story pretty well. Yeah. I actually, I uh, what was it? I had a story that I was going to replace Commercial Gym Story with, and then I forgot. A story? I don't know. I'll have to remember. Because we have the Commercial Gym Story, so I was just going to do random stories. I could do a random, a random fun fact, Steve story. I don't even know if you know about this one. Do you want me? Do you want me to go to finish sure. it off? Do yeah, you know sure. about me getting sued by the Recording Industry of America? The Recording Industry of America. You don't know about this? No. What's the recording? Yeah. I'm saying that right. Recording Industry of America. Yeah. Do you remember when it was a big deal with like LimeWire and stuff, and Metallica was oh, like yeah. headlining it? Yeah, I was one of the people that got sued for seven hundred seven hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. Was did did Lars from Metallica do it himself? Because that'll be hilarious. I uh, that would have been nice, but no. All I did was get an email. Um. So yeah, let's get let's 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 go backwards now. <laughs> so, uh, I was at Purdue University, and from my understanding, what we were told we were it was my freshman year. We were actually we were warned that the recording industry was literally setting up a hub at Purdue to monitor us because we were apparently like per capita, the heaviest downloading city in the nation. And the reason why, the reason why is because in the dorms, you, it was like a Purdue network only in the dorms. You, there was this thing called DC plus plus. I don't know if it exists still, maybe a Purdue person listening could tell me. And I could literally download your entire 10,000 song playlist in like three minutes because it was all land. It wasn't through the internet. And we that's all we did. It's like, if we want to watch a movie each night, we go on DC++ and then like 13 seconds could download an entire movie. 
And so we'd all download all day, all day. But the recording industry couldn't actually tap into Purdue's network and monitor DC++. So that, that was a wash. It was only people who were outside the dorms. So frankly, I just ignored this because I didn't even think anything of it. I'm a dumb college kid. And my sophomore year, I moved off campus and I had LimeWire. And I was also dumb because I didn't turn off the sharing button because if I just turned off the sharing button, it wouldn't be an issue either because they can't track you downloading. They can only track you as being the one sharing it. So two weeks into my sophomore year, I get an email that I'm being sued for $729,000. I think it was like 500 something songs. Each one was like eight to $9,000. First song on the list. This is, this is, this isn't, uh, Maybe I'm maybe I'm proud of it. I don't know. I'll own it. It was Hans, it was Hanson Mbop. Oh nice. That, that was the first song on the list. Uh so yeah, I immediately called my dad because I'm like, my life's <laughs> over. I'm being sued for seven hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. I'm done. Fortunately, after he contacted a lawyer, they were able to read through it. And once you get through everything, there's a settlement and you can settle for three thousand dollars. And so you go pay it, and if you ever were to get caught again you do owe the 729,000. So I was able to settle for the 3,000. Oh but my I also, God, you settle. That's, that's still bad. Yeah. $3,000. So I actually, I actually oh. met someone, I actually met someone at a frat one time because of the hundred from, again, I might have the numbers wrong. This is also 15 plus years ago or something. Uh, I believe 120 people in the US got sued that year for downloading and 40 of them came from Purdue. And I actually met a guy at a frat one time uh, and he was one of them. He didn't even know he had LimeWire. Some drunk girl downloaded it, downloaded one song, but one song is eight to 9,000. So he had to pay the same amount with 3,000. And what's even oh, more fun, they realized after this year, because this is like multiple years into this, they realized all we're doing is suing college kids. The following year, they changed the rules and it became an initial warning before it was a lawsuit. So I was the well, final year of law. I was the final year of lawsuits. Well, that's, I don't know. I, if I was in college, I had to settle for $3,000. That would be a massive issue. Probably did not have that in any account. Well, Savings fortunately, for- fortunately, my grandfather paid for half of it. And then I then eventually had to pay for the other half. My parents paid for it. And then I owed them $1,500 back. Man, that's still rough. So yeah, because yeah, because like I, yeah, cause really listening to music, it's like if you bought the album and then just did the uh, old-fashioned way of getting your iPod and then going on your computer, then either burning the CDs onto iTunes or buying it from the iTunes store. Yeah, that that really kind of got me out because I grew up. I was a drummer for ten years in a band. I was big into music. That kind of got me out of music because then it. It was a while before like streaming happened. So if I wanted to listen to music, I was going to have to buy the CD or I was going to have to buy it off of iTunes, which I did, but I really just didn't. Like it just kind of became a thing. I was like, eh, like I'm, music's not really going to be a thing I'm into. And so I never, it, music kind of like became a thing I wasn't, I didn't really do much because yeah. I, I, well, I, listening, I listening to a bunch of musicians like, uh, like Billy Corgan, um, James Hadfield, Metallica, like they, they sound like they're, they're still on the stand, which I, Probably, I mean, they're probably in the right. We're like Spotify, iTunes, like, and then it started with Napster and LimeWire. That killed the music industry. It's like that killed what actually meant to be a musician for them. It's like because like they're like making your record and making the art for the record and like distributing it. Like that was a big thing. And then listening to it on that. Now it's it's so different. And I'm like, yeah, they're probably in some capacity correct. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying what I did was right. I mean, in hindsight, I was downloading illegal music. 
I did it. Yeah. I, I, I 100%. That was a deserved thing. Albeit, I think if you're just going to be suing college kids, the whole warning is is not a bad system. That's kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, you're just eventually, yeah, just a bunch of, and also like, yeah, Napster was created by a college kid. So, so like you, but yeah, I got, right. I, well, I, am, I am, I am one of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an elite couple, 120 people. That's an elite company to be in. Yep. And they just, yeah, picked because you had, you know, more 120 people were doing it. Oh, I mean, <laughs> everyone at Purdue was doing it. My roommates were doing it and they just didn't get caught. I mean, again, I was yeah. dumb. I knew yeah. that the recording industry was monitoring Purdue, and I knew if you had sharing, you could get caught. And I was just dumb. It was just all around me being dumb. I, I deserved all of it. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, if I got sued for seven hundred twenty, if I actually had to pay seven hundred twenty nine thousand dollars, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Not that I would have no. killed myself, but like I don't know what I would. I I don't know how I would have ever recovered from that. You never would have. Yeah, how are you going to financially recover from this? Like Tiger King, I don't. And in that situation, I don't know how you'd be able to financially recover from that. That's that's a big sum of money. Yeah, and there, you had the option to not settle and go to court, but all of those people lost. Yeah, you would. I mean, it's probably a foolproof thing that you're not going to build a legal case yeah, in order because that year one of the one of those 120. Because the reason I found out it was 120 is because one person did try to go to court and they lost, and they had nailed like 300 something thousand. And in that article, I think is where it said 120. And something yeah. like that, or I don't know. I forget. Again, 15 years ago. But yeah, I was sued for that. All right. Well, great story there. Thank you guys for tuning in to Two White Lights. I'll have another episode for you next week. Peace.